Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Two Half Squads, the one and only podcast dedicated 100% to the greatest game in the world. Dave? Advanced squad leader. That's correct. And we are very, 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 very pleased to have two special guests with us tonight. Gentlemen, if you'd like to introduce yourselves. That's Ken Dunn, and I'm Perry Cobb. <laughs> yeah, how about that? It's really great to have you guys on. Glad you could spare the time this busy week. You're probably, you'd probably you probably rather be out chasing a turkey down or something, getting ready for Thursday. Well, the World Cup games are uh, over for the day, so I'm pretty. Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. How's that going? In, uh, it's in Dubai or something. Is that right? It's in Qatar. Oh, Qatar. Yeah, okay. Yeah, how's it going? Is it? U.S. Well, so. Depends on whether you're a USA fan or or, or a Wales fan. <laughs> ah, okay. Well, actually, it's the same either way. Isn't it? It's the same either way. That's true. So uh, we play a, a advanced squad leader. We hear that you guys play too. Of course, we've talked to you before, Perry. But um, but Ken, we haven't spoken we haven't to, you to you before, right? Yeah. Uh no. no. How did that not get done? Well, I I try to fly under the radar as much as I possibly can, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I try to hide. So, how did you? Uh, maybe you could give give our listeners a little background about you yourself, and uh, in, in in relation to ASL, anyway. Okay. Um, well, uh, you know, back in high school, all those many years ago, I did play squad leader. I was relatively young. Uh, my friends were all kind of older, and they had the game, uh, and used to beat the snot out of me on a regular basis. Um, and and then you know sort of went away to college, and lost track of it. At some point in there, it became advanced squad leader. And as soon as I graduated from college and got a real job, uh, you know, I invested in advanced squad leader. Um, that was late '80s, let's say. Um, played. Played for a long time with a local opponent, Ross Sutton, who was a pretty good friend of mine at the time. Um, and we got into some red barricade campaigns, which would go for months and months. Ultimately, I moved uh, away, and 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 um, I had known Brian and Perry. I met them at some local tournament. I think it was an Atlanticon. And uh, I remember sp- distinctly playing Perry in Tatsugeki, coming down to, like, the last turn, and, you know, um, laughingly decided to uh, intensive fire one of my guns at, at his sole remaining Japanese unit and uh, rolled like an 11 and, and broke it, at which point he won the won the scenario and taught me never to roll high <laughs> at that point. Uh, advice which I cannot seem to follow all these years later. At, but at that point, having met Brian and Perry, they, a couple years later, not long afterwards, formed MMP um, and eventually asked me to help them play test, which I gladly did when my wife gave me permission. So let's not forget that part of it. That was a very important part. Oh, yeah. So I uh, I went over uh, and, you know, it's mostly once a week and they happen to be on Wednesdays now, but it's changed days over the years. Uh, and we did it first in Brian's townhouse. Uh, but then we upgraded to the MMP headquarters. Um, and, and again, over the years, I've just done various things for them, like help them load trucks, help them unload trucks, help them load more trucks. A lot of loading going on. Um, 
and then playtesting. And I probably, I probably playtested since, um, oh, I would say certainly uh, Pegasus Bridge because they did have me help draw the map on that, uh, and and uh, it's just been you know from there just doing whatever needs to be done, mostly playtesting and loading trucks and loading and, trucks and design and designing great scenarios and historical modules. What was the first thing you designed, Ken? What was the first scenario that got published in design? Uh, well, the first scenario that got published was something called a Sunday Stroll. And I think that was in the first annual. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just a small scenario with Americans, Germans, that sort of fades into darkness at the end of the scenario. Uh, and, you know, it was enjoyable. And uh, Perry and Brian both liked it. At the time, there was uh, Steve Peterson and Chuck Getz were part of MMP. And, and of course, Kurt was, too. And... And so I was lucky enough to have that published, and 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 I felt very grateful for that because um, there's a certain pride of authorship more than anything that um, that and the, and the chance to see people playing a scenario that you've designed and having a good time with it. Um, so so really, what the only way to make that happen is to test it and test it and test it and and, and make sure that you're willing to make the changes that people. Um, suggest you know and 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 hearing those changes is sometimes tough right because you don't know it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff uh, what's going to make the scenarios stay within the vision that you originally had for it but is still worth moving it forward um, as a change right so so that's a very tough um, call to make sometimes uh, and and I've been wrong when I've listened to play testers and said well that idea isn't any good and I take it away and I think about it for a week or so, two weeks, whatever it is, and, and realize finally that, you know, that's actually a pretty good idea. It would make the scenario better. Um, and it could be about just about anything in the scenario. So over time, I've had to learn how to receive that criticism. Um, uh, and, and, then, and, and that criticism is what leads to making a scenario better. Uh, that and the playtesting, because without the playtesting and without the, you know, the tender love and care that Perry and Chaz and Claus really give to the the scenario cards we don't get the products the the, the high-end top quality products that mmp puts out and if i sound like a if i sound like a cheerleader for mmp i am not only because they pay me to be cheerleader but because i have a good time doing it they don't pay us anything but we're fans too Big fan. Any, anytime you want to play test let let us know <laughs> I would load trucks. I think I'd be a better truck loader than perhaps than a player. I have a whole scenario about trucks coming up in the next uh, oh, next good. Excellent. Uh, so, Perry, Perry, what is that like when you uh, do, do you get just the hundreds or whatever the number is, lots of scenarios that you have to go through? And I mean, do you get some and you set them up and you think, no, this is no good, and you go on to the next one or the next one or the next one? Or what's well, that? So we get a fair number of scenarios, but we don't get uh, enough scenarios that we can trust to put a lot of time in right away. Um, and so as Ken was saying, separating the wheat from the chaff. Uh, and what I do with those scenarios we get is I give them to Chaz as they hear. Oh, okay. <laughs> do, some, do some with these. Uh, and he'll... Uh, he'll look at them more carefully and uh, put them into some sort of queue of 
Uh, we'll work on this right away. We'll work on this tomorrow. We'll work on this manana. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, and, and do you get some that have been done before? How do you keep track of that? Oh man, we've 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 seen this action before. Well, it's okay to sort of repeat an action uh, as long as there's a different slant on it, as mm. long as there's a different angle on it. Um, uh, so keeping track of that can be difficult, as you say. I mean, um, uh, and between the the brain trust, the uh, uh, Chaz and Brian, and and I, I include Ken in that, and and Klaus, uh, Klaus Malmstrom, uh, uh, an essential part of uh, of what we do. Uh, we have you know we'll have a pretty good idea of. Of what's what we've done before, uh, and uh, and I don't worry about what anybody else has done before because I literally can't keep track of all that. Yeah, so, makes sense. Uh, you know, but as long as we know, you know, this is an action that we've you know we've simulated before, and then if we have a different take on it, then uh, then I think you know we're good with that. Yeah. Um, and specifically, so let me just get back to Ken a little bit more. So Ken was one of the designers for uh, Operation Watchtower, along with John Whiskey and Kevin Valerian. Uh, veritable. And, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. Veritable. I apologize. <laughs> Operation Watchtower. I don't want to take my credit from the guys that did watch. <laughs> and then, um, and uh, I, and Zen has done numerous scenarios since uh, a Sunday stroll uh, for us. Um, and currently, um, we're getting ready. We have it on pre-order, and it's getting ready to come out soon. Is uh, uh, Drop Zone uh, St. Mary Glees, uh, which is a historical module uh, on uh, June 6th and June 7th, uh, centered on St. Mary Glees. Uh, no paradrops involved, but uh, uh, after uh, uh, after the 505th is landed uh, and uh, they're holding off the Germans and then trying to clear the Germans uh, out of the way. Um, and, uh, and then uh, in Journal 13, which is coming very, very soon, uh, Ken Dunn has, we have 10 Ken Dunn scenarios. We got a lot of scenarios in Journal 13, but there are 10 of them are from Ken Dunn. Wow. Uh, and and uh, several of them are from what was going to be uh, an action pack around the, the 52nd uh, uh, Rifle Division, the Soviet 52nd Rifle Division, is that right, Ken? That's correct. And then they became the 10th Guards Division, right? Correct. Um, and uh, so, uh, You'll be seeing a lot more of uh, uh, of Ken's work uh, very shortly, which I'm certainly looking forward to. Like how soon is shortly for the annual or journal? The journal this year. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I've kind of missed them. Well, I, I love laying on the couch, reading all the tactical articles. and We've missed publishing them. But, uh, but we're going to get this one out. Like I said, this year, and then hot on its heels is going to come a journal 14, 
which is the Anzac Special Edition Journal, uh, oh. which uh, Andy Rogers of Hatton and Flames fame mm. uh, it has uh, uh, designed a, a, a mini uh, historical module uh, on the island of Timor, uh, Sparrow Force, uh, and collected uh, uh, a number of uh, scenarios of his and other people from down under and uh, articles. Uh, and so he's the driving force behind uh, Journal 14, which will be hot on the heels of Journal 13. All right. We'll, we'll try and make up for having made you wait so long for a journal. <laughs> just, just a note, I did advocate for 14 to come out before 13. Did you? Yeah, that's the uh, the numbering sequence. <laughs> Very good. Now, he, I, also, he was I also advocating for us to leave Board Seventy Seven out of Journal. But, uh, <laughs> we're going to put it in Journal Thirteen as we promised. <laughs> I see Drop Zone Saint Mary uh, Iglesias is on the website. It's on the MMP website. Right. All on special for $66. And um, when will that be shipping-ish? Is that as soon as Ken loads the truck? I, mean, I promise <laughs> not to wear that joke out for, for too much longer. but uh, That'll be out by Winterfest. Oh, okay, great. Fantastic. So, uh, Ken, how do you come up with your scenario ideas? How does that how do... Um. Well, Brian mostly berates me into uh, a, a particular subject, and then I, I eventually do what he tells me to do. Um, so there's a lot of berating that goes on on, on those playtest nights. Um, now, the reality is I have a pretty fair, um, I have an extensive library of uh, World War II um, material. And every so often I pull a book down and just become creatively engaged in the process. Uh, and I try to tell a story. Perry was mentioning the 52nd Rifle Division, and that was a that was a product that I conceived in my mind um, as an action pack originally. Uh, and it was right after Perry and I did Let's Go, the uh, action pack for the 29th Infantry Division, which is Maryland's division, ah, you know, Maryland, Virginia. Um, so I felt like another another it would that the market could could bear another unit specific uh, action pack and i wanted to do something that was not standardly done um and and i had found some russian sources that had just kind of come become available and, and russian sources haven't truly been available for too terribly long um so the parameters were to find a find a russian division that had that had kind of run the gamut of the entire war and this particular unit I landed on because they fought just about everybody. They started in Poland, they were in Finland, they were up north, they 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 then became the 10th Guard Division, and they fought the SS, and they fought the the you know the regular Lancers the here. I thought that was really good material, and indeed found like easily 10 scenarios on it, which was pretty rare for a specific Russian unit. But at the time, um, you know, all these action packs have a board. And I decided, well, I should probably design a board with this. And I was in my mind thinking, this is kind of before I got too much into the history on them. And in my mind, I was thinking, what, what is the traditional Russian vista, if you will? And I, I was looking at a cover of um, an old Avalon Hill game called The Russian Front. I don't know if you have it. But it's got that kind of famous picture of, 
or a painting or whatever it is of German troops kind of coming down the rolling hill of, of grain. And, and I said, well, that's, that's kind of what it looks like to me. You know, you've got this terrain that goes up and down vertically, and then you have a bunch of wheat fields or grain fields, or what have you. And, and that's a traditional Russian vista. And then I proceeded to design a bunch of scenarios that didn't really use that board. Um, so Barry and Brian looked at me like I was insane or had grown a second head. And, and after some badgering, I realized that they were probably right. And so it fits into, it fits much better into this, this, uh, into the package they have it in than as a standalone, standalone package. So, so to answer the question, Jeff, a little bit more directly, there is, I get, I get, um, sort of involved in a specific battle, wherever it is, whatever it is. And then I begin to try to tell the story. Um, and it's just, uh, it's mostly just a random book pull off of my shelf. So what other specific battles have you gotten involved in of late, Ken? <laughs> that's, that's definitely a leading question. So, so um, you may or may not know that, uh, certainly, um, because we have mentioned it several times, but there's Marco Polo Bridge, uh, is a battle that we've all, you know, you've heard of the Marco Polo incident, that's Japanese-Chinese, and we turn that into a um, a smallish hassle. It's one one map, uh, four dates, uh, and it's Chinese-Japanese, which, you know, I, I don't think it's been done. Like Perry said, I can't keep track of everything that's out there that's been doing. I know it's been done as a geomorphic uh, scenario, but, um, I, you know, I don't think any Japanese-Chinese hazards have been done. But, so, we, we specifically set out to try to do that as an ASL, as Oh, terrible. So we specifically set out to, to do a, um, uh, uh, a ASLSK um, module because at the time we hadn't delivered a, a, a hassle since else, so it was probably time to do so. And Ken, of course, Ken is Mr. Starship. Yes, he is. Hmm? Well, don't probably say this too loud. I probably need a not whole other interview on that process. Sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's fine. that's fine. Okay. Anyway, Marco Polo turned out to be, you know, a little harder for ASLSK and better for ASL because of the type of battle it was. And so we mo we ported it over to ASL, worked on it, worked on it, worked on it, and then finally came to the conclusion that we'd worked on it enough that we we could take it back to ASLSK. So we just did that. So now we have two products. One is ASL. One that's ASLSK for the same battle, Marco Polo. Now they won't be in the same box, although maybe we haven't made that that final decision yet. That's the plan currently. But that's the plan currently, and it's got new units. It's got a pretty cool map. Got a pretty cool campaign game. About four or five scenario, standalone scenarios. So I think it'll be a nice little product. And we uh, we intend to get that out uh, on pre-order next year sometime. It's the design. Uh, is pretty much done, uh, and the map is done. Uh, we just need to uh, to uh, lay it out and proof it up and uh, and put it up for pre-order. Um, Which is a so, whole process in itself. That layout, that that development portion that Perry oversees, and that Chaz and Claus and one or two other guys are involved in, is it's a sight to behold. How much detail and energy they put into it, I couldn't do it. It's amazing what they can do. Um, and, and, and that, that's just sort of a behind the theme, behind the scenes thing that happens to every ASL product that, that, you know, it 
should get acknowledged more than it really does. And and those guys are heroes that, that really work on that. So that's Marco Polo Bridge. What else, Ken? Well, we also have um, uh, the Battle of Makra, which is on the first day in Poland, uh, first day of the European um, uh, war, if you will. Um, so that's German, it's 4th Panzer Division against uh, you know, a cavalry brigade and it's a resultant artillery. The idea behind that is it's not just a hassle, it's more of a, I don't know what to call it really. Um, it's, got a, it's got a lot of scenarios that are standalone geomorphic scenarios as well as a hassle, but those standalone geomorphic scenarios follow the Polish army, if you will, from the day, first day of the war all the way through the end of the war in 1945 and the various armies that they fought for. So they obviously they fought in Poland, they fought for the French in the French uniforms, they fought for the British in the British uniforms. So, so I tracked that in all the famous battles that, that they fought in um, and tried to tell the story of the Polish army because they were one of the largest allies that, well, largest members of the allies that the allies had. Uh, they just didn't have a home base, so to speak. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> Uh, or fortunately, depending on whether you're on the Soviet Union side or the or the American British side, the Anglo side, um, um, Poland Poland did never get that home base back uh, until much much later. It also tracks them in the Russian army as well. So, oh, and the home army is also. So it covers. There's probably twenty to twenty five scenarios that cover all sorts of actions that the Poles fought in and. At the end of the day, I hope, although we're still arguing a little bit about it, to, it, to, to change some of the Polish stats to make them a little bit more distinct from the more generic Allied minor, including colorization, dare I say it, Perry. What? Well, you say anything you want to, Ken. <laughs> Color counters? Yeah, we might, well... Let's say this: it's it's just the colorization different than the a, than the ASL traditional Allied minor. Okay, that's certainly Ken's desire. That's my desire. That that <laughs> we haven't we haven't fleshed that out yet. Uh, and that's uh, that's very well play tested. Not completely play tested. There's still play testing to be done for that. So. That's still a, a bit down the road, but it, there's a lot of playtests because, as as Ken was explaining, there's a lot going on there. So that so we've we've done a lot of playtesting on it, but still some more to go. So right. that's a uh, something that we can look forward to. Also, I, can, hmm? well, what I'm sorry is what I noticeably left absent from that explanation was the armored train um, <laughs> rules oh. that are being oh. excellent. So we're working our way through that. We're also Ken, working on another Ken Dunn design, uh, which is a follow-up to St. Mary Glee's Drop Zone Chef DuPont, uh, which, uh, uh, Ken? It's, it's, it's three altogether, right? Yeah, there's supposed to be, if, if everything comes together, it's supposed to be St. Mary Glee's Chef DuPont, and then Lafayette, right? So those are three battles that the 82nd was involved in, June 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, um, all in the immediate vicinity. So it's sort of the 82nd airborne experience, if you will, on D-Day. Um, 
Lafayette obviously took a little bit longer than than uh, the Battle of Saint Marguerite and certainly the Battle of Chef Dupont. Dupont is is quite honestly the smallest. There's only one map there, whereas Saint Marguerite is three maps and Lafayette is about two maps. Um, the idea is ultimately to have what I would call a strategic map, and and remember this this idea kind of was. I, I, I stumbled upon this idea about 10 years ago, and I don't know if people had done it before then or not, but the idea was to link the three together through a strategic map that allows you to make decisions, either as the attacker or the defender, to do so differently than your counterpart did. Well, that's the idea behind every war game, so that's not rocket science. But in terms of ASL, which is a squad-level game, you're, you're dealing with it at the divisional level now. Um, so, so the victory conditions would be, you know, generally you have to win two of th two of the three battles. And in my opinion, you know, and, and this may be a little controversial, if you if you put the German, if you look at what the Germans did to the 82nd for the first two days, you might think that the Germans won that particular battle because they held the Americans up, especially at Lafayette. You could argue with that, and I, you know, there's probably all kinds of opinions on that, and I, I, I would believe every single one of them because that's not, not really my job is to make that decision. It's just to present what I think are of the facts, and let you make your own decision about how the how the game moves through. But the Germans, I think, especially units like uh, the 795th Ost unit, the uh, the battalion, the, the Eastern Battalion that was at Saint Mary Lee's, they did surprisingly well for what they were. Mm. So uh, all three of these will be coming out. Well, St. Uh, Mary Lee's is soon. Yeah. Jeff Fon is, you know, if I had to guess, it's three years. And Lafayette is another three years after that. So these things don't, they don't get born very quickly. Um, and there's always a lot going on. And there's a lot of growing pains. And, and as I've said, um, you have to be willing to revise and revise and revise uh, because if you don't you won't get the best product you can get yeah. those revisions have to be made they have to be made you know judiciously and they and it requires input from a lot of people but you have to be willing to do it well it's a it's amazing it just sounds to me like you are the stephen king of asl scenarios just cranking them out and that's just in the ASL division, and then there's also the Starticus division, which we said could be a whole nother show. And then right. it would have to be a different podcast altogether to talk about the non-ASL stuff that, that Ken does for us, uh, oh. where, uh, which is plenty as well, in, in oh. addition to loading and unloading trucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can discuss those. So yeah, let's hear a little bit more about the other. I've been getting into the Great Campaigns series because Mike Rizzi's been getting me into that. Otherwise, I don't do a lot of the other games, but but our listeners would love to hear about it. Well, before we get into what Ken does, I'll just say for as far as Great Campaigns is concerned, on to Richmond 2, uh, which has hit its pre-order number and is uh, being developed uh, and should, you know, should be up... Uh, I'm looking for the first quarter next year, uh, so um, 
a lot of people are looking forward to that meaningfully. Yeah. Um, but Ken doesn't do uh, great campaigns in American Civil War. Are you into Civil War at all, Ken? Well, I, I, I think it's great history. Um, but, you know, Ed Beach and his crew are, you know, way smarter than I am. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't presume to try to help them in, 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 in you know, what's their Ballywick really. Uh, they've got that covered so well that there's just no other room for anybody else, which is fine with me, right? Well, the, the, you, you got uh, Dean Essig's uh, uh, Line of Battle series, which, which is a different take on, uh, uh, on the Civil War. But uh, between the two of them, I agree. That, that pretty much covers it all. So there's no room for Ken there. All right. <laughs> yeah, because there's only so much you can do in a day. But I mean, um, uh, you know, I, I kind of like, um, I, I do what I enjoy doing, right? And, you know, if it's not playing with uh, my grandson um, in one of his many endeavors, uh, I try to, uh, you know, I'll take a look at, um, for example, car driven games like Barbarossa Berlin. Shifting Sands uh, was a great game, and 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 so I've I've designed a a card driven game along the lines of Shifting Sands that doesn't really have a name yet, uh, but it's based on Sicily, right? So it's a three player game, and the Americans and the British are fighting each other not through combat, but by cards to kind of mess with each other just as much as they're fighting the Germans. Mm. And if you know anything about the campaign. Um, the British and the Americans just didn't necessarily get along as well as maybe allies should have, um, and were consistently getting in each other's way, um, for lack of a better term. So the idea is that um, you have a German who is doing his traditional defending and or attacking against either one of the two allied units. But at the same time, you, you know, the, the British don't necessarily want the Americans to win the race to Messina. The British want to win the race to Messina. So they're doing things to stop the Americans, whereas the Americans have cards to let them do things to stop uh, the British. And just to throw in there, you know, Ken designed uh, uh, Gucci's Gamble, which yeah. is uh, the Edson's Ridge sort of take uh, using the, the Monty's Gamble, uh, breakout Normandy kind of system uh, on Edson's Ridge, uh, which we love to give Ken grief about because Despite it being a great game, it wasn't a great sell. And so Brian, Brian especially, uh, well, likes to remind Ken about that. <laughs> well, every once in a while, things don't always come together as well as you might hope. And, and, and honestly, the rules there uh, didn't come out as well as I would have hoped they'd come out. And part of that was because there's just some fatigue uh, based, based on um, – you know, kind of how long it took for the, the public to sort of get behind the idea of, of, of the game itself. Uh, but if you can get past the rules, which admittedly are dense or verbose, uh, you find a pretty good game in there, which I would play at any point in time. It's just a, it's, it's, it's a great game. Um, and I really like the area move system because I think it provides choice, provides choices that, that can be um, uh, very consequential. Um, in, in, when, when you have to make them because you've got something going on in one place and if you cover that you're going to leave a hole somewhere else and and, and that's sort of the whole idea behind uh, area move games and MMP can take the uh, uh, responsibility for the rules because 
they sort of fell in between several different rules developers who each gave some input into it, but there wasn't one coordinated uh, 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 head looking at it besides Ken, and Ken had already designed them, and so he wasn't the right person to, to uh, finalize them. And so, you know, uh, to the extent that they're, uh, the rules are unclear, that's, uh, that's, that's on us. But we won't let that happen again. And yeah, see, uh, it must be interesting. I mean, to, to, for us to hear this, you know, all the other stuff that goes on, because when I think of, you know, being a goofball, when I think of scenario design, oh, some guy designs a scenario, reads an action, designs a scenario, there we go, it's easy, and there it's done. When I hear about all this other stuff that goes on behind the design, all the play testing and the, uh, the building of the, of the uh, um, special scenario rules, et cetera, and all that. It must be really irritating for you guys to read some reviews that come out, what things that people post on Facebook and whatever. Ah, this is a crummy game, you know. Why would they? Why would they even release this? Uh, the rules are garbage or something like that. It must that must really burn you. Well, first you got to have a tough skin. Second, yeah. you know, we don't get that much of that because you know, it's not yeah, you know, it's not an accurate description of our stuff mostly. So. Uh, but it does happen, and uh, you, you got to have a tough skin. And and so uh, you know, we'll gripe amongst ourselves about it. Uh, but uh, you know, ultimately, you know, the customer votes with his dollars, and uh, um, you know, that's what it's all about in yeah. the, in the business sense of things. But uh, we know, right? You you have to be you know, self-directed and, and, and we know what quality looks like and, and we know that that quality is in our games. And so, yeah. you know, that, that's, you know, ultimately that's the ultimate test is, you know, you have to be proud of what you do. Uh, and we are. Yeah. The I would add to that if I could, um, <laughs> My take on it is is there are times in which I'm just sort of disappointed in 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 the process. It, it, I'm disappointed because people don't play these games to to have a bad time, right? People play these games to enjoy it, and you only have so much time in a day, right? You don't want people wasting their time on what is what doesn't turn out to be a really polished gem. Having said that, I have read on occasion. For example, uh, I know we're not really talking about Starkit, but I'm going to throw this one out there. The Elst campaign game, Starkit. People have told me there's no way the Germans can win. I can guarantee you I've lost as the British several times. And whoever says the Germans can't win that, I, I want some of what they're drinking. Because it's, it's got to be good, right? They just don't know what they're talking about. And so much of that is like knowing how to do things. Like when I, I remember seeing... Um, Fortenberry smoke the enemy machine gun position. And when I was a newbie, had been playing for years, I was like, oh my gosh, that changes everything. And if they're playing these games and not using certain tactics, then right? Exactly right, Dave. I, I mean, if you don't understand how to play the assets you've been given, then you're probably not going to have the best experience. Right now, 
I don't say that as a criticism. Everybody has a learning curve. Yeah. You know? And so as long as you recognize that you are at least culpable for the mistakes that you've made, or maybe you just happen to be unlucky that day, right? I, I, we joke about it a lot, but it happens. Um, you, you know, you just need to you just need to recognize that those things can happen before you call something a dog. But so, like I said, I'm I'm kind of a split mind. I I, I sometimes get disappointed in myself for presenting what somebody thinks of as as a inferior product. But on the other hand, I know that it's been play tested and designed to a point where it can't be play tested and designed any better than it is. Yeah, and I think most all of us know that about MMP. So, yeah. right, everything hits the pre-order right away. And it's like, a, well, especially the ASL stuff. It's just like, we love it. So, you don't have time to play at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should come to play test Wednesday night. You'll play it all. Well, not not twice. Some of it uh, uh, doesn't. Not not everything that we put out gets play tested in house. Almost everything, but some stuff we rely, you know, on outside play testers for. Uh, and uh, thank God, because <laughs> uh, there's not enough time today, as Ken would say. Right. Yeah. Do you, Do you have a hard time keeping up with? Uh... Not just Ken's output, but with the output from the other designers and stuff. Is there? I'm pretty busy. Is that what you're asking? Yeah, I guess so. Well, we hear about stuff, you know, we're talking about designs of stuff that's going to come out in three years and six years. And we used to joke about it a lot on this show early on. The stuff was very hard to, to come by and wasn't coming out very frequently. Now it seems like there's a great flow, like you've really hit a stride over these the last uh, years. And um, yeah, but I'm just wondering if you have a hard time keeping up with the with the output, or if you just pace it the way you pace it. And um, well, it's a little bit of both. I mean, yeah, um, you have to be flexible. Uh, we've been we have been fairly regular in putting stuff out, but uh, and some stuff. You know, gets backed up, you know, behind the flow because the the output pipe is you know the is only so big, the diameter is only so big. You know, we're we're we are at uh, you know a relatively small company, uh, and um, so we can only you know, you know we can only ship so much. I mean, I'm not saying our shipping is running uh, you know 24/7, uh, but uh, even you know, even if we were printing more stuff, you know, we could only ship so much stuff. Yeah. You know? And so there's no it's not a hard and fast rigid schedule, but we have a you know, we have a schedule, but you have to be flexible. And because uh stuff takes longer to to play test than you were planning on. So, you know, the 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 developing of, of rules and it takes longer than you were planning on, and other stuff goes quicker than you were planning on. So, so Ken, you don't work full time, right, with MMP? Oh no, no, no. I'm not even really part of MMP. I, uh, I, I, I have a day job that sucks down an immense amount of my time. Um, and the grandkids. And and he Dorian sucks down an immense amount of my time also. Which is great. 
Yeah, no, it's great. He's great. Um, uh, MMP is is you know one of my few hobbies. Um, you know, I've been married to a wonderful woman for thirty five years, uh, so she indulges me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, raised three kids, uh, and, and they're great, and they're they're off they're off doing their own thing for the most part. Uh, um, so there's a lot going on in life, uh, but there's, I keep coming back to to working not well with MMP and my my position there is I would tell you it's a play tester because I did that for a long time and and I probably play tested I don't know 100 authors I'm guessing I mean and and that was before I got any real opportunity to submit a play a a a scenario and and like anybody you know you you kind of walk up to Perry with a little bit of trepidation saying here's a piece of paper you know, please read it and like it, and and Perry growls at you, and uh, um, he, he does that well. <laughs> he, oh, you don't know, but luckily I've known Perry for since I don't know twenty years, and and uh, uh, I, I can get past his growling, much like I can get past Brian's berating. Um, I think I think the ability, what I'm coming to realize more and more now is that the growling and the berating are what keeps M and P focused and centered. And that's my real role. <laughs> the outlet, the outlets for braiding and growling. Right. Right. Well, it seems, so to be, Ken, seems to be working. Yeah. So, Ken, your interest in reading about World War II, you're just tying it right in with the development. So, so right. Well, the one skill set I would tell you that I probably have that maybe a lot of people don't have uh, is, is I, I, I'm a civil engineer, right? So, so um I, I can read maps. I can read aerial photography. I deal with them every day, uh, and that lends maybe a skill set to um, an eye towards some of these hazards, or just even a geomorphic map. Um, not an artist, uh, but I, I do draw these maps out so that so that and then, and there's a process to it. Um, once you have the area of the battle and once you've decided on the, the, the sliver of the battle or, or however big the battle is, you have to ASL it. Because when you put a hexagonal grid on top of a real piece of paper, the roads don't always line up, the buildings don't always line up. So you have to push and pull a little bit here and there. Uh, and so that skill set, um, I think, has enabled me to do something um, that a lot of other people might not be able to do, which, which gives me a leg up in terms of turning stuff into to MMP. Um, it's not just the skill set, but it's also the equipment. You know, I have I have the equipment to draw the maps and to color the maps and to do all that kind of stuff. And maybe not a lot of people have that. Uh, Is that by hand or on the computer now? Well, I I, I still do it by hand. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I can do it. I can do it so much faster by hand, and I can revise so much faster by hand. You know, I used to back early on in my civil engineering career, we moved from hand drafting to. Uh, to computer-aided drafting, and I was a big part of that at the firm that I'm, I'm with, and still with, um, but have since moved well beyond that end of the civil engineering to to more of an administrative and, and management portion. So, so my skill set at the computer evaporated, uh, but my skill set with the pencil and pen and table um, still remains. So that that I just do what's easier for me, and and with Charlie Kibler and and one or two others. It has never really been a problem. 
Yeah, so you really draw out a big map then for the St. Mary Glees that's coming up. Yeah, yeah, St. Mary Glees was is three maps. Uh, it goes from Nouvelle Plain all the way down to Foville, um, Hill 20. Um, so that's about three maps. Um, but the real genesis of that was not me. That actually came from a woman by the name of Sharon Boyd. Um, Sharon Boyd, right, Perry? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she is, uh, I don't actually know what she does. I think she works for the Department of Defense, but I'm not entirely sure. She actually hand-drafted all these maps, but didn't ASL them. So she handed them off to me, and Brian was just like, look at these maps. These are awesome. And, and so he was not in a berating mood at that point. Um, and so I said I'd take care of it because I was so shocked by the non-beration uh, that um, that I, you know, I I just I morphed them into an ASL style map and and moved forward with scenario design and and and, and the CG and the rules. Excellent. That'd and be then, fa- that'd be fascinating to see sometime if we talk to you again. Uh, you could show us a little bit of how how you actually do that. Sure, happy yeah. to. Love to see that. Yeah. No state secrets. Just, just, Ken uh, referred to himself as a, as a part of a play tester, um, and uh, so he's more than that for MMP certainly, and more he has much consigliere as. Uh, uh, but we are uh, at heart play testers. Brian and myself and Chaz Ken. Uh, Kim Valerian, who comes regularly every Wednesday night and who we rely on on his playtesting judgment uh, to a great extent. Um, uh, you know, that's where our roots in ASL are, is, is in playtesting. So that's I still think of myself as, as that. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, it seems to, I'll say it again, it seems to work out because it shows in the quality of the product. And we know a number of people that that say they'll only buy because there's a, so many different products now that you can buy. Yeah. Some people say they'll only buy the MMP stuff because they, they know, they know the quality of that. And there's a limit. You can, you can't buy every. Well, maybe you can buy everything, but you can't, a, can't play it all. You can't play it all. So, yeah, I appreciate that. And, uh, uh I certainly don't begrudge, uh, uh, people uh, buying uh, other stuff as long as they buy with our stuff. So. Yeah. Got to keep you guys in business, of course. And but things are going well, it seems. I just economically, was there like a downturn during COVID or anything? Or so um, we weathered uh, COVID uh, better than a lot of uh, uh, industries, I guess. Um, industry is a fancy word for us, certainly. Um, uh, I think that. Uh, Games in general did did better during the the pandemic than other industries. Uh, I've always sort of seen us as a lagging indicator uh, in the economy, anyway. So um, if I have, yeah, we did all right. If I have to make a choice between maybe uh, going to a movie or getting the new game, I'm going to do the game first. So, well, you're a hardcore gamer. Appreciate that. Well, yeah. <laughs> Well, our time is going on about 50 minutes or so. Let's think about wrapping up. More that you guys want to share today. Um, So, 
I don't think there's anything I have to say other than that uh, we talked a lot about, you know, what's you know, Ken's been working on and what's in Ken's pipeline. And there's a lot more uh, uh, coming as well. Uh, Slaughter at Panieri from uh, Don Petras, Jim Aiken, and, and Pete Schellen. Uh, you know, that's uh, um, after St. Mary Glees. That'll probably be our next big historical module. It might be a smaller um, uh, uh, Marco Polo Bridge uh, historical module in there. Uh, the timing of that remains to be seen. Um, we're working on a module on the 1948 Arab-Israeli conflict, uh, contested lands from uh, some of the guys who did a Forgotten War, uh, Andy Hershey and Pete Dolan, putting up for pre-order before too long. Uh, and then there's Bill Cirillo uh, has put a lot of work into uh, what we're going to call Twilight of the Reich, which is a sort of a, uh, a late war uh, geo uh, mini module. Uh, it's going to have some new urban city boards and a bunch of uh, urban rail yard overlays to go with it. Uh, and some pretty meaty scenarios, and probably, uh, almost certainly, the uh, the full SS uh, order battle, uh, uh, not in black, but uh, uh, and to make that into uh, an official rule instead of just a historical rule. I know plenty of people have been hearing about Mike Faulkner working on the the Four Bridges project, uh, where he's going working on uh, a bridge too far and Pegasus Bridge and Primasol Bridge and uh, Ponte Grande, uh, also in Sicily, I think. Um, so he's he's uh, busy working on that. And uh, uh, Michael Rogers is uh, uh, taking over in charge of Ortona, uh, uh, a little uh, Stalingrad in Italy. Um, and that's, uh, that's chugging along as well. So um, there's a lot of stuff being worked on, and uh, like I said, uh, plenty to keep us uh, here at MMP busy for a good while. Yeah, and us too. That's fantastic. Love hearing, I love hearing all that. It's like reading that page in the old annuals and journals that where it said like the coming, you know, little preview of. I used to go, oh, look what they're thinking of doing. Yes, fun. I I feel that that was yeah. always the best article, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ken, anything else from you? Uh, nothing. You know, Perry wrapped it up pretty well for from my perspective. Uh, other than to say, you know, playtesting is always important. Anybody that wants to help playtest is should probably get in touch with Chaz and offer their services. We 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 love we love we love those um, volunteer efforts from people. And, and I, I appreciate uh, both the opportunity and sort of everything that you two do um, through your good offices here with, with, with this production. Um, I think it helps spread the ASL word, if you will, um, for lack of a better term. Uh, and, and uh, you know, it, it's staying, it's sort of, and, and it's these homegrown efforts that you clearly have put just an immense amount of time and love into um, that really really help the game keep chugging along. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks very much.
It and is. I look forward to the upcoming uh, Two Half Squads podcast on Starter Kit. Yes. Ken will line that up. Yeah, right. That would be great. Yeah, I'd be happy to do it. Yeah, yeah definitely. And we'd still love to interview um, other people too, like Valerian, if he's interested. Just you, you can feed us ideas. We have listeners say, "Hey, why aren't you interviewing this person?" I'm like, "It's a good idea." Yeah. <laughs> well, do you have their email address? I don't know how to. We're not on all those forums. So. Kevin is a—he's uh, an interesting cat, man. He's a. Uh... <laughs> I've never met somebody that knows how to optimize better than Kevin. He will, he can optimize a, you know, a, a, a Romanian half squad and, and still win a scenario. Give a lot of tips. Yeah, that then. sounds good. That sounds really good. <laughs> and not just ASL too. He's a, yeah. he's a, he's a master optimizer across many gaming systems. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Really appreciate the time and uh, hope you have a good holiday. And um, we appreciate your efforts so much. It just makes for a lot of fun. Thank you Happy so much. Happy holidays. Yeah, yep. same to you. All right. So we'll Thank sign you. off, Jeff, saying remember to roll low. And rally well, but not, but when, not you're when you're playing, playing us. us. Of course. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, gentlemen.